Wow, well done. Our scripture reading is from Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every word, doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, and carried, and carried about, oh, sorry, read that already. <laughs> Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love this is the word of the lord thanks be to god good morning brothers and sisters my name is pastor glenn hoberg uh, one of the pastors in this network would you pray with me we're so grateful, so thankful to be in your presence, to be together here and to hear your voice in your word. Just your very voice gives us hope, Lord. Uh, but it's powerful. We trust it's going to do work. It has been the whole service. Work now through your word in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I have to say... This is one of the highlights of my spiritual year, um, coming together as a network and worshiping. I love it. And um, as Joel mentioned, uh, the larger timeline is really 20 years since our first church, nearing 20 years. And as an official network, as a three congregation network, we're approaching now almost a decade, 10 years. So instead of uh, doing what we normally do, which is we have our worship service and afterward we do congregational highlights and network highlights, I wanna condense things together and shine a light on our network. Start off by giving you some highlights and then move into what I think is essential for the next decade. Essential as we grow forward. So back in 2003, when the first congregation, which was then called Grace DC, which is now called Grace Downtown, was started, uh, we decided uh, we're going to be a church planting church. Now the reason for that was a couple. One is uh, churches, church plants are typically effective in drawing in new believers because of their energy and their focus. But also, having multiple churches, we believed would help reach a diverse city. Churches that could actually move in and focus on particular demographics and parts of our city. And I would say that's one of the things I love about our network. When you go to each congregation, you don't find a duplicate, right? Each congregation has its own local vision, its own local passion, 
its own local sense and feel, its vibe. And still, you can do all that and still not be a network like we are. So why did we choose this model? Because it is costly. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, it takes more time. It takes more effort. Maybe you were like, why do I get to come all the way across town and try to park here? <laughs> or you grace downtown, folk, you know, church in the morning. Oh, you know, it's costly, I know. Uh, but in different ways, too, you know, it's, um, it, it takes humility. There are times where each congregation says, yeah, we're ready to go, and you've got to wait, right? I know it's costly, but we've always believed that the benefits far outweigh the cost. Let me make my case. First of all, a network is strategic, a strategic thing. Because you can be flexible and agile. Now, what we used to say early on was the benefit of a network is you could be a big church when you want to be, but also retain a small church. And we've seen that as we've been able to start ICCM, RUF at Howard. We came together as a big church, and our resources were helped to launch those things. It's strategic. It also brings together resources. You know, when you plant a church, there's a lot of stuff you have to do other than just gather people and worship and talk about Jesus. You got to incorporate. You got to go through the laws. You got to find an office space. You got to buy a copier. Right? You got to get a bookkeeper. You want to stay out of jail? Right? There's a lot you have to do. And so as a network, our church plants were able to start up and running faster because those things were in place. Resources. Second of all, labor. You know, one of the things that might be more intangible and visible is the way each congregation's faith and labor has benefited the other. I remember early on when uh, Grace Meridian Hill got going and they began to uh, blueprint and um, execute their cross-cultural passion. I mean, that has been foundational for this whole network from the beginning. And that energy came back and impacted Grace Downtown. Where I think of Mosaic, it's work that it's done in the area of liturgy and worship and music. Many of us regularly enjoy the Living Prayer Periodical. That's the right name, by the way. The daily prayer, I just confirmed this with Ashley, the daily prayer project is the overall thing. The thing we read is the living prayer periodical. Russ. <laughs> you know. I told him that once. We are going back and forth, back and forth. Then he's like, you know, he starts to get, well, you know, you're a little bit older, Glenn. Your glasses you can't see. And I was like, I'm going to take this moment. They'll probably not let me preach again. So... Grace Downtown, right, a lot of years went into leadership and administration, and, and that helped out. There's more. And then there's the partnering. Partnering with Global Missions. The Moms Group for many years partnering. Holy Week, Advent. Even policies, the new child safeguarding policy, is the product of really gifted people throughout our entire network, as will be the adult policy that's soon to come. And indirectly, Auxilio, 
Some of you know what that is, some of you don't. But basically, uh, the Grace Downtown uh, accountant and the chief of staff launched an organization which resources, Keith, how many organi organizations now? 91 organizations, just been going a couple years, with financing, digital solutions, HR, donors. And lastly, I'll say encouragement. Encouragement. You know, when you do church in this modern day, and you do church in this city, like one pastor said, uh, pastoring in D.C. DC is like trying to hug a parade. You know. But it's also a revolving door. And one of the things our network gives us is some sense of continuity, longevity. I come here and I get to see people that were here way back when. New faces, you come for the first time and go, wow, look what God is doing. Look at the people that he's drawing. And I will tell you, as a pastor, there are so many pastors that are lonely in quitting the ministry. And through the pandemic, having this group of pastors or my weekly call with these two brothers, it's been a lifeline. So, all of these things, I would say, have been blessings of why we did a network model. But, all of it will be for naught in the next decade unless we remember some fundamental things. I mean, really fundamental things. I was reading an article about the golfer, pro golfer, uh, Justin Thomas. And if you know anything about it, really successful. And the title said, Justin's special season steeped in fundamentals. Same thing goes for churches. And I think one of the most fundamental questions you can ask is what is being grown here after all? And how is it being grown? Now, the Apostle Paul in his pastoral epistles, books like 1 Timothy, they're a little bit more about the structure of the church, but the book of Ephesians, which I just love, it's, it's about the nature of the church, you know, the vision of the church, the mystical side of the church. And it gets to the most fundamental things that you heard read. And so that's what I want to spend a few minutes looking at together. First of all, what is being grown? That's an, that's an important question. You have to, if you're trying to grow something, you have to know what it is. What thing is it? What organism is it? Right? Is it a butterfly or a banana tree? Is it a crocodile or a mushroom? Is it a toddler or a Tasmanian devil? And what we're told here is it is a body that's growing here. We as the church are a body, and Christ is the head. Now, literally, that doesn't mean uh, Jesus' literal body, like Jesus is going to come back as a spirit and say, who took my body, right? But even though it's not literal, it is physical. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ on earth and in this city. It is physical. And there's a functional, functional aspect to it. When uh, Luke, who wrote a gospel and also wrote the book of Acts, started the book of Acts, he said, uh, before I told you what Jesus did, now I'm going to teach you what Jesus is continuing to do. And what is Jesus continuing to do? That's the book of Acts. That's us. That's the church. In fact, Jesus, blow your mind, said, greater things are going to come through the work of the church than what I could accomplish in my three years. Whoa. The Pentecost spirit falls on the church around the world. 
And part of that is we represent the moral beauty of Jesus in our city and to one another, right? The love, the justice, the compassion. This is what Paul is talking about when he, he's talking about attaining to mature manhood. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does it look like for people to see Jesus, the radiance of God? Right? The glory of God and the face of Christ in these congregations. People so need to see beauty today. They see a lot of ugliness. But they need to see the beauty of Jesus in his people. You know, it always repelled self-righteous people and it drew needy, broken people. Hungry people. That kind of beauty. But it's more than modeling. At the end of chapter 1, he says this, and I'm still... I'll be contemplating this, I'm sure, way into heaven. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. Listen to this. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus, as the fullness of the Godhead, dwells us with his fullness. Brothers and sisters, this isn't just a meeting. Take it in right now. This is the fullness of Christ residing in his body. We get a hint of it, but it just keeps filling up and filling up. And that means there's a few things about being a body. First of all, we are an us body, not a me body. The church is not just an us-me uh, community, it's an us community. But think about it this way. Uh, you know, if you're gardening, you, you, tulips, they grow by themselves, right? It's solo growth. If you see a bunch of tulips, they're all lined up. And in many ways, that's how our culture sees spiritual growth. In our culture, spiritual growth equals personal growth. And oftentimes, the church sees growth that way. We think about solo growth, but really the kind of growth that God is talking about is cluster growth. It's more like a rose bush. You can see the individual beauty of the rose, but it's only going to happen if it's part of the bush. This is part of what it means to be a body. We are an us body. That's one of the things I love about the living prayer periodical. <laughs> it reminds us of the us as we're coming together. But this means something. It means the church is not a vitamin for the body. The church is not a crutch for the body. The church is even not a hospital for the body. The church is the body. The church is the place where you heal. The church is the place where you grow. The, the church is the place where you recover. The body itself is the place that happens. It's also a cross-cultural body. It's an us body, it's a cross-cultural body. Just a chapter before, the Apostle Paul is brought to his knees. His knees buckle, why? He says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family and heaven and earth is named. Now, he was, this, the whole book of Ephesians is not just about the church, it's about the cross-cultural church. You see it in every chapter. And Paul has just been ruminating on God doing the impossible bringing together warring tribes, the Gentiles and the Jews together. 
And that it was Jesus' blood, only the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ that could make one new person in place of the two. He brought those that were near, those that were Jewish in Israel, to him. How? By his blood, love blood sacrifice. And then for the Gentiles, those who were far away, he brought them together. But he didn't just bring them together to sit side by side. He brought them to be one. Having one, having access to one spirit as one body. It's always been this. A cross-cultural church, which means... Everybody that's part of the church is a fellow citizen, a saint and a member, part of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And you know what? He's still doing that work. As bummed out as you get, as much exhaustion, brother or sister, that you might have wondering, is this ever going to happen? As tired as you do looking at the endless divisions of the world, never forget this. Never forget this. Never forget the work that the Lord is doing, the evidence of him building the cross-cultural body. And never forget it because there's only one body, and that body's cross-cultural. There's not other bodies. There's one body, there's one church, and that body is a cross-cultural body. It's also an intimate body. We just got back from a road trip, and we... Um, pulled up to one of these, um, I forget what it was called, but you know, it's, it's like a Sheets, but it's not a Sheets. It's not as good as Sheets. <laughs> okay. But anyway, there was this whole line of these Teslas and electric cars, just kind of, yeah, <clears throat> you got the plug in there. And I was like, you know, that's, that's how modern spirituality is seen. You know, I am sort of this vessel. I'm wanting to look beautiful and fast, but I need energy. I need the universe. I need power, right? It's this idea, it's, it's individualistic and impersonal power. That's what spirituality is. And again, let's not think you can be in a smoky room without smelling like smoke. Christians battle that very thing. Maybe the thing that you think you need most from God is power. But in the Christian faith, presence comes before power. Presence is the power. It's not just energy and force I need to get through my days or get through my marriage or get through my parenting or get through all the issues of the world. What I need is his presence, his intimate, powerful presence. I don't need something. I need someone. And guess what? When you and I come close to each other, someone comes close. The way that you feel power is because the body's intimacy strengthens you in your heart. So that's what we're growing. We're a body. But how do we grow? How do we grow? Let me mention three things to close. Uh, first of all, if you hadn't guessed, it's together growth. It's cluster growth. It's not solo growth. Now. You know, people that have had the unfortunate experience of having uh, a limb amputated, they'll talk about um, the phenomenon of a phantom limb, right? Like, if, you know, if you lose a leg, it still feels like it's there for a time. Even though the leg is gone, you still think it's there. Well, the church can operate this way, too. Though there are members' absence, they think it's healthy. The church can think it's healthy, even though... 
members are not in the body. Maybe it's members of different races, socioeconomic class, different ethnicities. There's no way for these members not to be in Christ's body and for you to go, oh, I'm healthy. It's a phantom limb. Or it might be members that don't fit the education, the culture, the social vibe, the political belief, right? And churches are happy just to keep going on and on and on, thinking, well, this is a healthy body, but it's a phantom church. It's a phantom limb. Or it may just be literally the members that are still missing from the pandemic, right? It's just easy sometimes because people are struggling to go, well, I just... as brothers and sisters, we have to approach our members. <laughs> We have to say, you're absent. I see you're not here. We need you in the body. Not just the virtual body. We need you in the body. It's together growth. Paul says, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. That's how it's held together. Not just with some, but with every. Together growth. It's also working growth. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow and build itself up in love. This is why the church ain't just about the paid leaders or just the, the ordained leaders. You hear in this passage, uh, they have a job to equip. Equip the body, but how does the body grow? The body makes itself grow up in love, but as each part is working together. And so if there's a part of the body that's struggling, it's not working, it's the same with our bodies, right? We don't just ignore it. If you do, eventually it's going to catch up with you. We've got to pay attention. We need to have our eyes open and go, where is our body really not working like it ought to be? I've done a few stints in physical therapy, like some of you probably had. And, you know, and you always get to that week where uh, the therapist says, um, so... Pain level, like, you know, it's, it's been six, it's, you know, it was coming eight, now it's like that. So, uh, you think you're ready to leave? Like, you know, done with the free massages, it's just time to, right? It's time to leave. It's time to get out of rehab. There is a time to get out of rehab. There is a time to get out of physical therapy. The church right now, volunteerism and service is way down. Okay, the pandemic wounded us. It knocked people out. But, you know, there's a time to get back to work. There's a time to begin serving again. Because if you don't, you'll keep limping. You know what I mean? You, you, you'll have in your mind, well, I'm not well. There is something about what he's talking about as we function together, as we work and serve. But lastly, it's maturing growth. Soon as a baby is born... They give you a score. <laughs> That's a rough way to start, right? And a score, but it's an important score, right? The APGAR, breathing, flex, you know, reflexes, all those important things. But it's not like once that score comes in, you're done. You spend the rest of your life going to the doctor and they're giving you a score, right? We have all sorts of ways to do it. Why? Because one of the ways you measure if someone's maturing in health is, well, you got to have a sense of some markers, right? 
You got to have some sense that they're actually, that they don't have any deficiencies. And Paul talks about two deficiencies here we got to keep our eye on. One is a truth deficiency. The thing about individualism is, uh, especially American Christians, we really think we're above influence. We think we're above deception. We think, well, I can kind of just do my own personal thing and pull together what I want, and I'm really doing fine. Listen, if you're not growing in the body, you're deceived. You're already deceived. Because the growth that the Christian faith talks about is growth that comes together, right? And a sign of immaturity and childishness, this is what Paul means when he says no longer like children. He's not talking about just innocent, helpless children. He's talking about childishness. A childishness that gets taken in with false beliefs and false people. Now, true, cults can do that, right? But there's other ways to measure whether or not you're in a cult. I actually spent a time in a Christian cult for a little bit. I can see a big difference between what's going on here and that thing, right? There's other healthy markers, but one of them is, is, am I functioning within the community, the body of Christ? Or we find ourselves, another image he gives us, knocked around by waves. Now, anybody been whitewater rafting? There's one place if you're whitewater rafting you don't want to be, and that's in the water. <laughs> I mean, you want to be in the boat with everybody else and not in the water. Because you get in the water, lots of stuff happens. The undertow, your leg can get stuck. We went on this trip once, youth group trip out to Colorado. You, you got time for this story? Yeah, it shouldn't be too much longer. But anyway, uh, you know, youth group, and uh, we, we go out, and little did we know, we were white water rafting, and it was, it was a day. <laughs> our, our Colorado guide said, called it a day of... Carnage. It was a day of carnage. I mean, people flying out of the boat left and right. There was a snow melt, so the water was a lot higher. I was in a boat with a guy that wouldn't go. I mean, how scary is that? I'm in the boat with my wife and this other kid, and the lead guide's going, follow me! And she's going, I'm not going! And I'm like, what are we going to do? It's like I'm either going to get out of the boat, and then she finally decides to go. And I'm like, great, now I've got an insecure guide. But everybody that went in the water, we had a broken leg, we had this happen, we had that time. But every now and then, you know, your white water rafting happened to me the first time, and I didn't know what I just described, so I was being a little bit bold, and I was kind of doing the Titanic thing. I was doing, you know, on the front of the, front of the boat, and we had a rock, boom, and I went, and all of a sudden I felt, God grabbed me by the back of my jacket, sat me down, and I was like, wow. We need a hand to stay in the boat, don't we? We all need a hand to stay in the boat. And we don't get pulled aside. There's a truth deficiency all of us face. And you can't diagnose it yourself. And as you and I are in the community, when I talk about truth, I'm not just talking about just theology head. We're talking about lived word. But I am talking about the fact that, you know, the Bible says stuff that maybe your doctor's going to say to you that you don't want to hear. Jesus is the great physician. So one of the ways you can tell you're actually reading the Bible is it's going to offend you regularly, it's going to bother you, and you're going to go, I don't know about this, and you're going to have to wrestle with it. If your Christianity is just sailing along and you realize, this is, this is working out well, God agrees with everything I think. 
you know, that's how kind of religious pluralism works a little bit today. We arrive at a conclusion and go, you too? You know, <laughs> you know it all works out that way. But also there can be a love deficiency, and man, we're feeling that right now in the church. Especially in this denomination, where truth gives you an out to forget your character. Um, truth and what you deem orthodoxy justifies insinuating, denigrating, slandering people. Pray for this denomination. But what I read here is until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. It takes work. If one Lord, one faith, one baptism reigns over our opinions and preferences, we'll grow through the next decade. Right? Whatever, and, and we're in different places, right? You can't be in Washington without it. Different convictions about everything from masks to mayoral elections to this to that. Constantly the Christian has to go, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All of these things are important. I'm going to be about the work of the city, about the work of justice, about the work of doing my job. But man, we're one body. If you're in Christ, you're in one body. And this is Paul would say, you know, can, can, you, can you hack off an arm? I've been doing a lot of that. I don't like that leg. I'm hacking off that leg. It's like we're all in the water, in the white water, and, and, and we're splashing each other. We're dunking each other. This comes from John Calvin. And I think I'll close out with this. That man is mistaken who desires his own separate growth. So if we wish to be considered in Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let us all be whatever we are for others. This is accomplished by love, and where love does not reign, there is no edification of the church, but a mere scattering, the opposite of one. But that's not our story, brothers and sisters. God has been faithful to us for 20 years in this net for, network for near a decade. Um, you know, I know you young folk, one of the things that us older people do, if we hadn't seen you for a while, is go, man, you, you, I can hardly recognize, you used to be like this, and now you're like this, you know, you used to be like this, now you, you know, how old are you, I, can't, I knew you when you were five, and now you're four, you're, you're, you're in 10th grade, you're in 8th grade, you know, you're like rolling your eyes, going, oh man, 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 they're just wondering over your growth, I hope I'm here in 10 years to do that for this network, be able to go, whoa, May it be true for all of us. Let's pray. Thank you for this one body, Lord. We know we're just part of your greater body. Uh, cosmic, uh, historic faith of believers, past and present, all over the world. But we are your body. Oh, Lord. Pour your spirit out upon us that we, that we look like you and that we act like you. We pray, oh God, that we would grow and mature to the fullness and stature of Jesus our Lord. Amen.